Hello, listeners, and welcome to 15 Minutes with Lincoln. I am your host this week, Abraham Lincoln, formerly the 16th president of the United States and now a common man living in Chicago. My usual co-host is Timothy Robert Dunn, but he is too busy playing Final Fantasy VII, the reboot that came out on his uh, PlayStation of some device, and he said that I could go ahead and do the podcast without him, and he said it didn't really matter because I'm probably just going to talk about the Snyder Cut or something, but... Uh, actually, I have a very important guest this week, uh, and I would like to introduce uh, my new friend, Meg Indutri. Well, welcome, uh, welcome, Meg, to the podcast. Hi, nice to meet you, Abraham Lincoln. It's an honor. Uh, it, the honor is all mine. So it's obviously been a very uh, eventful week uh, in politics, but also just kind of a very eventful moment in, in uh, that we've been living in. The you know, listeners of the podcast know that Timothy Robert Dunn traveled to the. Um, Lincoln home in Springfield, Illinois, four years ago, and through some cosmic accident, our souls became intertwined, and now he summons me to do podcasts every week, <laughs> and uh, it, sometimes that's kind of uh, uh, torturous, but sometimes I'm able to provide a historical perspective on the week's events, so I hope to be able to do that now, and maybe it'll be reassuring, maybe it'll be illuminating, or perhaps it'll be the opposite of both of those things. So a lot of things have been going on this week. We both decided that we had uh, little interest in talking about the Republican National Convention, Mm, yeah, let's not. I mean, I know you were you were in the Republican Party, but th- they've changed quite a bit since your time. So I don't know if you really want to talk. I have noticed that it has changed a little bit. Yeah, just a little bit. Uh, a little weird. Um, <laughs> well, it would it would yeah. So nonetheless, uh, the the big the big topic in the news this week has been um, the the police uh, shooting in Wisconsin and the subsequent protests and uh, violence and unrest that has been going on. So mm-hmm. it's a tough place to start. So I will, I will defer to you and just see how you're doing, how you're feeling and what it is, what's about it that's troublesome to you or, or what's on your mind. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, I'm glad we're, we can start off with something lighthearted. Um, no, I, here's, here's what I think I get. I, ah, man, where people, people are talking about looting again, which I think is always a very dumb thing to discuss because like, I don't care. I, I, I don't care. I don't know how about how you feel Lincoln, but I'm not, I, I, I don't, I'm fine with looting. I mean, you know, all's fair in love and war, right? Isn't that, did, maybe you said that in the Gettysburg address or you thought it maybe, I don't know. But I uh, will, uh, I'll take credit for it willingly. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure you were thinking of it before somebody else said it. I just think it's like a very like, first of all, I don't think anyone's like pro looting, just like no one's like, pro-coronavirus it's just like two things that exist uh so it's not like about being pro or anti you know looting it's about like understanding like why it exists you know like what are the conditions that cause people to loot you know and like what can we do to like make sure that we help those people who are hurting uh in, in order to do that and also it's just like such a glaring conversation to have because obviously the media covers looting because it gets more clicks but that's a very that's a small minority of the protests uh and and of the work that organize organizers do towards black lives matter so it, it just it feels like it feels like talking about if it, it feels like talking about like a party and just talking about like the girl who got like wasted that night instead of like everything else that happened. <laughs> i like, think that I think that's very apt. I uh, looting has been a theme of the summer, unfortunately, mm-hmm. and I have noticed myself that people have liked to 
talk about, well, protesting is good, but looting is bad, as if they are necessarily two sides of the same coin or that they have to be invoked at the same time. Right. It's, it's, it's a very like deliberate way to like, it's a very like way to be like, well, I'm better. I would never loot. And it's like, well, you've never been in a position. How, 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 how do you know? Like, you don't know what it's like to be like poor and dealing with the pandemic and police brutality. Like maybe you would loot too. You don't know. Um, but I mean, if we're going to talk about looting, we have to talk about the fact that Jeff Bezos is the first man to what have $200 billion so it is interesting that people keep thinking that Bill Gates is the one who's planned this uh, pandemic, and yet it's <laughs> Bezos who's been making money hand over fist. I, I think Jeff Bezos planned this pandemic. Um, so that's, oh. that's my pandemic. That's my theory. What well, do you think? I um, well, listeners of the podcast will know I've never taken this very seriously, and I've been, um, the police have had to break up several of my pickup basketball games on Lake Michigan because I continue <laughs> to defy the stay-at-home orders. Oh, yeah, Lincoln, you um, can I went to several EDM parties as well that people were throwing at the be- beginning of this uh, quarantine-like house party, so uh, I don't know, I obviously doubt the legitimacy of the whole thing. <laughs> uh, but back I've to- I've been reading a lot of conspiracies, and I don't believe- I think COVID is real, but like now I'm I'm convinced that like the moon landing isn't. <laughs> really? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Oh. Well, you don't know about the moon yet. We do that later. I don't know. I, Wait, no, no, you do know about the moon landing. You weren't, you were there for it because you have lived. Good question. I've seen a couple movies about it. I've seen uh, First Man with the guy from Drive. <laughs> oh, a great guy. I don't yeah. know. He, um, he was also in the Blade Runner movie, the new one, um, and Gangster Squad. As Ryan you, Gosling. Yes. The, as, the jazz expert, Ryan Gosling? Jazz expert, Ryan Gosling. Yes. I watch a lot of movies uh, on the FX app. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, so um, I, I get it. It does seem... It certainly seems far-fetched to me, someone from the 19th century, that we could get to the moon. But hey, if you can see it, you can get to it, I guess. Um, we'll see. So, yeah, so back to the, the looting. And you said something very interesting that you don't really know. People don't know for sure how they would react in these situations because mm-hmm. they've been in these situations. And there are, are a lot of contexts that people don't consider. Perhaps if you are in a peaceful demonstration that because of agitators, either from the outside infiltrating a protest or the police, uh, escalating it, you don't know how you would uh, you would personally react. I think that's a very apt point to be made. You don't know. And also, like, yes, there are outside instigators and the police instigating, but I do, you know, there are genuinely people in, like, all protests who are, you know, on, sometimes the mainstream doesn't pay attention to injustice until white property is destroyed, unfortunately. Um, and it's, you know, throughout the history of this country, it's been a thing where people prioritize property over people. And, you know, we saw it in Chicago where people were looting Mag Mile and they're talking about our community. And I think the bigger question is, why, it sh- why is it, why are you defending and th- sympathizing with like the Pottery Barn that's, or the Best Buy that's insured for millions of dollars, right? Like, why are you cleaning up Best Buy when you would never an avenue and help clean up a community that's been affected by the pandemic. So I think it's more about like, understand, like, where's your priorities that you feel the need to like, 
critique the looters when you don't know what it's like to be them and you don't you know there was a sign hanging up that i thought was really powerful that was like you've taken a lot more than we could ever loot and i think that's exactly it uh, i think what we've done to those communities is much worse than them taking you know i don't know leggings from nordstrom rack or like a router that no one was going to buy from best buy anyway so that's my radical opinion but i just i just don't it just also like they're not equally bad like looting and killing are not equally bad like if someone broke into your house and took a tv you would be like upset but you wouldn't be like as upset if like something happened to your dog you know like so the, the, the fact that people even like equate looting to like police violence it's too entire it's it's absurd to me it's completely absurd it is absurd to me as well, because you mentioned the distinction between property and people, which was not always a clear distinction in the era that I came from. In fact, you had folks who seceded from the, um, the whole union because they were worried about their property being taken away from them, which is not something that I ever pledged or uh, intended to do until the war actually came about. And the way you're speaking now makes me think that, yes, it took... Uh, it took um, uh, taking their property away in that sense, making them recognize the humanity that they were diminishing through chattel slavery that mm -hmm. um, uh, forced uh, concessions in addition to other types of, of punitive wartime measures. It, that property, something about it, I think gets through folks' imaginations. It just captures them and they suddenly uh, start paying attention when property is is threatened that's a, i mean that's yeah it's more i guess it's like a visual maybe most people are visual learners um <laughs> you know that's probably it but now you're totally right throughout the history of this country like i mean you couldn't even vote unless you had property for like the longest time lincoln sure. you remember that yeah i do i it's not i'm not look my i'm i i'm not i'm not always super proud of my record or the things i said <laughs> Yeah, and you said some things. You said you said some interesting things. You, on the one hand, you were very anti-slavery, and on the other hand, you're very pro. It's like you were very flip-floppy. Oh, Typical uh, political politician. Yeah, Tim didn't like this when I would say it before, but uh, of course, I was a white supremacist, which uh, <laughs> uh, you know. But I was, but I didn't want slaves. I mean, to me, that was a very. They were very different things. Mm -hmm. um, so speaking of looting, and uh, I don't know if you've seen this movie, Joker. I, I fell asleep through it, but I did watch the beginning and then the last five minutes. Okay. So I feel like there's a lot of people, I see them sometimes in modernity, a lot of people who are like the Joker, who uh, who just seem to go to these things, these, these protests, these uh, gatherings, just to be like the Joker. And so why do you think it's so, it's so just to reign chaos and to mm -hmm. seed anarchy and not because they're particularly invested in a social cause, although they might be sympathetic and um, who, who knows what their intentions are, but other than they clearly want mayhem. Mm -hmm. um, why do you think there's been such an imperative on folks who are not like that to uh, condemn, the, condemn the folks who are? Why do people need to hear that so much? Why do they need to hear us uh, reassure them? I don't know. I, 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 I fundamentally don't understand like I've gone to a few pro I really don't understand why anybody wants to be the joker like first of all he never got laid and he didn't have any friends <laughs> like I don't understand why you would even 
want to be him. Um, I, I, yeah, I feel like there's some people who are like truly pissed and angry. And then there's other people, you're right, that like just want to like capitalize off of the moment and just create anarchy. And I don't know. I feel like there was always that person in school that just liked when shit was happening. And that don't be that person. Like, like yeah. listen to other people who are like leading the effort and like, you know, I don't know. I don't understand. I really don't understand. I, I don't understand. There were like, I saw on Twitter, like a few people were dressed up as a Joker at the protests. It was like, like there's so much makeup. And like guys are always talking about how women wear a lot of makeup and it's like really Joker is your idol. That's the hill you're going to die. I don't understand who is on because it's not like they're not a socialist and they're not like, (laughs) I don't know who these people are. I I feel like they're unrepresented by every group, every faction, political faction in America. You know, I I think that's fair to question the principles of the Joker and also why someone would uh, try to espouse someone who is totally unprincipled. In my time, I was known for being quite a stickler for law and order and suppressing dissent and and using the um, the you know the fact that the southern states were in open rebellion and were threatening um, this you know uh, the civil and, and were literally uh, causing civil unrest uh, as an excuse for. Um, uh, you know, throwing journalists in jail and sending armies in and, uh, you know, all sorts of lockdown measures. Uh, why do you think then that that's not the solution uh, for these for for the, the, the current day when these situations get out of hand and folks in the Republicans or other parties say, like, send in the National Guard or send in more police officers or more law enforcement? Ooh, I mean, you said it yourself. We were doing this back when you were president. We should have changed by now. Like, come on, we're in 2020. Like, I feel like America's solution to everything is just like more police, uh, more guns, more, I don't know, National Guards. That's, that is, that just never works. Like, I don't know why we think that has worked. Like every study has shown that doesn't work. It doesn't work in like, it doesn't work to prevent crime and it only increases it more, only instates it more. I don't, I think, I, I'm actually just reading about it in this book of, in the end of policing and it talks about, there's this conservative mindset that the people who are causing this, there's something inherently wrong with them. Mm-hmm. That like, they think, if you think about poverty and crime, um, you know, most studies show that poverty creates crime. But there's this conservative mindset that it's the other way around, that crime causes poverty. Um, And therefore, and the crime is caused by people who are like inherently wrong. And therefore we should give more police in order to create stricter laws so that people will behave. Uh, But just like, you know, in every school when there's like 15, who, who are those people that were like hallway monitors? They never helped. They only made me late to class. They've only made things more complicated. And I feel like that's the same thing that's happening now. Like you're just, cre- you're creating more violence by sending in the National Guard. Like people are protesting with posters and you're sending in people with tanks. Like that's not, you brought, what, what's that saying? You brought a blank to a knife fight. You brought a gun to a knife fight. Is that, uh, is that the thing? Yeah, we had that, I think in my day. So there's a, there's a lot definitely uh, that I want to touch on. Uh, so this is, certainly 
there's just so much that's just blowing my 19th century mind. So we certainly assume that crime caused poverty in my day. And as I alluded to earlier, I uh, was a white supremacist, although I do my best now uh, to, to adjust. I've had like four years, so I don't really have an excuse at this point. Um, so we always, we always assumed that, that uh, we had a presumption of criminality that we used that justified the enslavement of, of folks of African descent because we assumed that they were predisposed to cause uh, crime. And it's- You created whole fake science out of it to prove it. <laughs> we certainly did. We had a lot of fake sciences about uh, uh, just anything, you name it, and we had it. Um, and one thing that is <laughs> shocking to me is to see that that has, uh, uh, it's still around to this day. It has evolved in, in some ways it's, uh, less in some ways it's more pernicious than it was previously but it does seem like that has been some sort of um uh that that's some sort of idea that has taken root here mm -hmm. yeah people have always i think it's like people believe what they want to believe in some sense uh and i think that's true of both sides but i think when you actually like read objective fact like i'm sorry to say lincoln but um poverty causes crime not the other way around so if you like you know, I don't know build better schools and hospitals and parks uh crime will go down seeing more in police and the national guard so you mentioned then okay and so poverty causes more crime so what's the argument for how policing causes more crime well think about it this way bill clinton smoked a lot of weed but he never got caught for it, right? Because he lived in affluent white communities where there weren't a lot of police around. So he never got caught. Um, versus in communities where there's a lot of poverty and therefore crime, there's a lot of police around. So now they're more likely to stop and frisk and, and stop and racially profile. And so, and also like when the crime rate was going down, the prison boom also went up so i mean if you look at like when we started building prisons and why they start started building it it was for corporations and blah 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 so what i'm trying to say is um there's more police in a community they're obviously going to find more crime um versus when there's not as many police around like in the community that i live in they don't get they don't see me jaywalking so i'm not going to jail for it you know yeah I understand. Okay. So uh, I think that's, I, I see that when more you're looking for something, the more you're going to end up finding it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And by over-policing certain areas, then of course you're now going to find more uh, crime in those areas. So another thing you, you, you said that I wanted to get back to was uh, kind of the implication then, yes, yeah, sending in the national guard, sometimes um, sending in policing. It, it is possible. And it's something that I think, uh, I'm learning that perhaps we should all learn these days is that police can make a situation worse. Some, yeah. And Almost if, all. well, yes. And I would, I, 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 I see that point. I, I would say that it's something that probably everyone should keep in mind uh, from my perspective, Abraham Lincoln is that, are you making the situation worse? And one example is uh, the tragedy a couple of days ago that happened in this Wisconsin, in the small Wisconsin town where folks were protesting. Um, and uh, a person from, a child from my state basically went up there uh, with a gun 
and drove 30 miles from his house with him with some sort of a um, me mechanized uh, gun and uh, mm -hmm. and kind of uh, like the guns that you guys used back in the Civil War. I was actually I got distracted because I was thinking about how effective they would have been. Like they're basically personal Gatlin guns. Like we had nothing <laughs> like that. Uh, and anyway, uh, I got sidetracked. So a person, I, I, my perspective is that that actor, uh, he will probably, unfortunately or fortunately, get off with self-defense and will not go to jail. And I think that the tragedy is that he uh, didn't think to himself, am I really making this situation better by showing up with this machine gun? Um, and yeah. I think the whole thing- a gun has never made a tense situation better. Like, has it ever? Would it ever? Like, I, think about all the times you've gotten in an argument, Lincoln, in, in your debates, in the White House. What if someone pulled a gun out and put it on the table? Like, that would not have, there's, that's not a good way to have a conversation. Yeah, I guess though, usually when we had disputes, we would usually wrestle in my day and we would, <laughs> we would take off that's most better. of our clothes and wrestle. I, like um, I, I would say the guns- I, I so, yes, yeah. the uh, yeah. I, I think the one time I, I had an, uh, I ran into a gun. It didn't go super well for me. At, um, yeah, so yeah. I, I'm obviously a little biased. So you haven't seen Hamilton yet. I feel like you wouldn't really want to go to the theater. You were like the third guest in a row who's asked if I've seen <laughs> Hamilton. I didn't like Hamilton. I don't know if you would have liked it. I've seen it, and I was just I, I liked it, but I just wish they would have talked about like Lincoln more. <laughs> You're like, where's the part about me? Like, yeah. I'm kind of the big deal. Well, listeners I, will know I'm working on a, a spinoff called Lincoln. Ooh, I'm very excited to see that. Thanks, me too. I took some music improv workshops, so I think it's going to be pretty good. Um, but, uh, but even the situation with Wisconsin itself, it, it seems as if the police showed up to settle a domestic dispute between two women and then end up, one of these police officers ends up shooting this other uh, gentleman, uh, seven times, uh, yeah, in the back and which is just, um, something I can't even fathom. I would just say that, that is a clear example of police sometimes make things worse. Yes. I mean, their training is not really de-escalation. They're, tra they're trained like the military. They're trained like they're going to war. They're trained to like view the public as like, someone who's out to get you and you know so that's how they're trained so so it's not i mean someone was talking about this the other day about like we should stop calling it police brutality we should start calling it policing because they're doing exactly what they're trained to do i mean best case scenario they don't kill anyone but they put someone in jail and increase the incarceration rate in america so you know it's i don't i don't really it, it, it's one model to, you know, to punish everybody and hurt everybody. And it's another model to try to figure out how to solve the root issues so that we don't have to put people in jail and kill them. And I am of the, of the party, Lincoln, that believes that, um, you know, we should, we should do less <laughs> of that. Well, believe it or not, I, uh, despite being so pro the rule of law and willing to uh, suspend habeas corpus and otherwise suppress rebellions by any means necessary. Policing is a, <laughs> as you all know, it is a relatively new 
concept. And police oftentimes are asked to deal with things that have nothing to do with policing, in fact, are more to do with social issues or mental health issues, or uh, even a occasional domestic dispute is not necessarily something that a police officer uh, has to, um, should, should feel qualified for. And, and uh, that's not necessarily their fault that it's out of their bailiwick, it's just that the lot of tasks get kicked to them that don't get kicked to anyone else. And in my time, there was really no such thing as these as policing. And from my perspective, as you have alluded to, they do at times seem to me like some sort of occupying army. Um, and uh, I, I've become aware that we did leave the troops in the South after the war in order to maintain as much uh, um, semblance of stability at times. So I, I recognize the need for this. But from my perspective, we really only rich people had police. And they were private security forces and occasional municipalities. Yes, which yes, still happens. Occasional municipalities would have some sort of publicly funded uh, police force, but it was nothing like this uh, in this day and age. So I just want to ask you, uh, if, if we do end policing, then what comes next? Because certainly we will need folks, will we not, to take care of some of these issues? Yeah, well, I want to say one thing about what you said, like, we did kind of have police back in the day, we had slave patrols, right, which were the origin of the police originally. Um, so I will answer your question by saying, you know, that quote, where uh, Ford talks about if, if I asked people what they wanted, they would have said a better horse, instead of like a car or whatever. Um, ah. You know, so I think uh, that is the way to look at policing and the prison industrial complex, right? It's not about like replacing it with something similar. It's about entirely getting, you know, over a course of time, getting rid of it altogether. Uh, when we say defund the police, that's part, that's step one on the way to abolishing the police entirely. And that means that having, you know, there would be like maybe a smaller unit of people who are able to, you know, own weapons that are called out, you know, for very, for those instances where you actually need the police. But the majority of the stuff that the police actually does, like you said, are domestic disputes, uh, social work problems. So we would have, you know, just like how you have like a traffic controller uh, versus like someone who like, you know, patrol speed limits, like how eat all of those people don't need to have guns, right? So it would be more about like breaking it down and giving the responsibility to different people, um, especially people without guns, um, inst and then having like a very smaller unit of people who actually respond to the stuff that, you know, we think police do based off of TV shows when the majority of the time they don't, they don't, they do that very little of the time. And then also it's about, again, like taking away all the funds from the police and then using those funds towards education and healthcare and, you know, parks and other stuff like that, that would fix the poverty. So then there would be less crime to begin with. So it's, it's less about like replacing the police and prisons with something similar to it, but it's more about how we use the funds that currently go to the police and the prisons and how we would uh, change that so we get rid of the root problem to begin with. I see. I understand this because the whole idea is that poverty is what causes crime. Mm -hmm. I see. And it sounds like there would still be uh, some specialized units like SWAT teams that we could still make really cool movies about 
that Zack Snyder <laughs> yeah. could direct. So yeah, I I understand this. The way you continue to talk about um, abolition, it reminds me a lot of my era, and uh, it reminds me a lot yes. of. Were you an abolitionist, Lincoln, or were you just sympathizer with abolition? I believed that the institution would gradually die out and abolition would just kind of naturally happen. But of course, that was not really realistic because of the cotton gin creating such demand for cotton. Slavery, the, the number of slaves had decreased and then suddenly they became very valuable. Um, and that was not really a reality I like to deal with. Anyway, it's like, it's like really complicated. I, uh, well, no, it's very interesting to think about because, uh, I mean, of course, I'm borrowing from Angela Davis, and this isn't something I thought of myself, but she says when people were asking to abolish slavery, a lot of people very much wanted to reform slavery or just make it better or couldn't imagine a reality without it. So I think um, it's a lot of the similar conversations we're having now with the police and the military budget and prisons that you, it seems crazy because we've spent the last, what, like 80 years, 100 years making, like you said, cool cop movies, um, which by the way, the FBI helped produce. So that's kind of messed up. Oh, man. Yeah, did you know Hoover, the FBI director was like, would like be on set and make people reshoot stuff if they made cops look bad? I didn't know this. We got to have him on the podcast and answer for this at some point, but. Yeah, definitely. At least, at least that uh, that tradition has brought us movies that I've enjoyed, like SWAT and Den of Thieves. So, I mean, I'm not. Uh, anyway, um, uh, anyway, uh, we've we've talked, we've covered a lot of ground. I really appreciate you coming on and, and appreciate your perspective. And also, it's good that you called me out on forgetting slave patrols were a thing, which uh, <laughs> uh, really speaks to uh, Abraham Lincoln's uh, mindset throughout this. So, uh, thank you very much. Um, it's okay. I, uh, you, uh, I obviously we're kind of in a pandemic, but is there anything uh, you would like to plug or anything that you want folks to check out? Um, yeah, follow me on Instagram or Twitter. It's uh, Megan Dirty, M E G I N D U R T I. Um, yeah, follow me on there. That's where I put in most of my quarantine content articles, videos, tweets, all of that. Follow me on Instagram. Will do. Uh, Meg, thank you so much. I think you're the my favorite radical Republican I've ever met in my life. <laughs> Aw, thank you. And you're my favorite radical Democrat. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, uh, listeners, thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week. Thanks for tuning in, as always, to 15 Minutes with Lincoln.